to the deep dive. Back how, in it. How are you, Mr. Smith? I'm good, Trent. How are you? I'm very safe, sitting in the confines of a, a Melbourne property, not in a Japanese jail, which is which is good news. Yeah, it's um, very good news. I'm in the same boat, but it's uh, who would have thought a footballer from Australia goes overseas and gets into a fight and ends up in jail? Never heard that one before. I think a few people might have thought, given the uh, Powerade uh, driving, uh, Mr. Lake was a bit of a. <laughs> Bit of a loose wire, but anyway, hopefully he's um, going to get out and we might have a Leangelo Ball type situation. Possibly. And... It might be 23 days because they can stay in those jails um, without charge for 23 days, apparently. <laughs> well, so, wow. yeah, so interesting times anyway, over there for a Jakarta football game and ends up in a jail. Jail. Well. Mm. Anyway. anyway, we'll leave that one alone. Welcome to the dive. This is the round 16 review. So big shout out to our mates at Hopster Home. So we've got tonight a black IPA from Venom, which is, uh, I forget where Venom are, this again, somewhere north side. But a really, really good brewery, and they've picked this can out for this pack. So if you go to hopsterhome.com.au, they're a craft beer subscription service. So you sign up and they've got different size packs, and they come monthly to your door. Fresh craft beer. That's it. Just get on your blower or get on the computer and... They they have a phone number, but they might. Oh, no, get on the blower. Oh, sorry, the blower. Being a phone that you can text and... Sorry, a smart blower. Smart blower, yeah, smart blower. Don't think they have a landline. You can literally just stay in your bed all day. Until the beer gets in, and then you've got to get up. Get them in your fridge. Although they come pretty cold at the moment (laughs) because it's freezing outside, so... Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much to Hopster Home. Let's get into it. Pretty interesting round of football. Yeah, now we start seeing probably two two halves of a round here on end because there's teams that are legitimately competing for finals now. Yeah. And almost half the comp out of contention now after the results from the weekend. Yeah, so we'll do a really quick ladder recap. I think quite a few of the games will go pretty heavily into a couple and we probably don't need to go too much into. But let's do a quick run through the ladder. So sitting at number one is Richmond on 48 points so they've gone 12 and 3 so realistically they, they really only need the one more to to make finals so with you know with seven to come that's 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 going to happen so Richmond obviously doing quite yeah, well and obviously they're a game clear on top and all and two games sitting in the top four so yeah. you can't see them really jump I mean even if they're on equal points with another team you can't see them you'd think missing top, top four is pretty pretty likely two now. more two two more wins and they they pretty much lock a lock for the top you'd four think now. so yeah I mean I think if, it, if they get to sort of 15 that's that's going to get start to you know get towards that fourth third territory but they could easily finish top of the ladder and then Collingwood now that we've gone through those 15 games so they're sitting at 11 and 4 so one game short off Richmond, their percentage is actually much healthier than we would have thought at this time of year, sitting at 122. So, you know, Richmond's obviously really impressive at 137, but 122 looks really good. Yeah. And then into the Eagles, so equal points with Collingwood. So we've got a lock with Collingwood at second, Eagles at third, Port at fourth, all on 44 points. So they're all sitting at 11 and 4. Percentage not too different, so 122 pies. 120 Eagles, which actually isn't too bad given how many outs they've had offensively. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Considering, yeah, the, the basic don't have a forward line that they would normally exactly, have, yeah. and they're still being able to kick enough of a score to keep that percentage Percentage, up. yeah. And then we've got Port Adelaide 117, so Starting not... Starting to get a lot of momentum now. Yeah, they're looking really good. I mean, obviously, percent's not, not fantastic, but regardless, they're still sitting at 11-4, and four, which is really good. Sydney missed out on sitting in that bunch on the weekend as well last Thursday. So sitting at 10 and 5, which is still pretty good. They're sitting in touch. Top four is starting to look a little shaky, but 
they have got some interesting games coming up. It's certainly still possible. I don't. I'm not writing them off for top four. I think the Swans are still a chance. Still a chance, but with their mounting injuries and they've got a that's the run problem. home that's not that easy, and their four and four record at home means that most team teams that are going to play up at the SCG, and we'll get into that later. Yeah, that's not a gimme anymore. So no. yeah, they're they're looking less and less likely for a top four. But I'm not writing them off either. No, and then we've got D. So D's is still they're, they're sort of you know. Back in the in the winners' books as well, three losses in a row. But that that win, they really should have put put free out of the sword, which we'll, we will get into. But you know, still sitting not too bad, nine and six with one twenty seven. Their percentage isn't too bad. Obviously, they had some massive wins, and then the Catters really starting to keep in touch with the eight with that sort of upset win against Sydney. We gave Geelong a fair chance. chance yeah, so those two teams are interesting. It's almost like. They've swapped spots, Melbourne and Geelong. Geelong are on the build, and, yeah. and Melbourne now have put themselves under a lot of pressure to actually stay in the finals hunt. They've got a really tough run home, so yeah. they've they've literally, I mean, every team in this position that's below them have to win every game, but a few weeks ago, you were, they didn't have that type of pressure. They were, they were, they were flying, and now all of a sudden, ooh, interesting to see if any demons come back into their head, pardon the pun. Yeah, that's true. It is, isn't it? Yeah, but we've got a few things we want to bring up about yeah. Melbourne. So really to summarise the latter, and this makes it a lot easier from a, an audio perspective too, is we've really got a few different groups. So we've got Richmond at the top, and then we've got three teams on 44 points, Sydney sitting alone at 40, and then we've got four teams all sitting on 36 points. So that translates to yep. nine and six. So in order uh, from six to ninth, Melbourne, Geelong, Hawthorne coming back in, so Hawthorne with that quality win against the Dogs and, and a decent percentage as well. And then North just hanging in to the eight with uh, that interesting game against the Suns, which we'll, we'll definitely get into as well. Yeah. So they're, they're still in touch though. Percentage not amazing at 116. No, you would have thought they would be a lot healthier after the weekend, but they got the job done probably not to the extent that they would most liked, people yeah. would have liked to seen, especially them. And that's going to be looked on if they don't make finals based on the percentage that that's probably the one game and, and a lot of teams are going to be looking back at, at that one game yeah. or two games throughout the year that could define whether they play finals or not so and then obviously underneath them we've got GWS half a game behind with the draw yeah. and obviously missed out on a golden opportunity to upset West Coast well, over there yeah. but lots to talk about in that lots game of, yeah lots to talk about in that and then obviously Adelaide dropped the game Essendon dropped the game Freo and the doggies dropped Dropped the game, so well, Freo and Down is absolutely yeah. out. Yeah, Essendon is still mathematical, and they are still playing the best football outside of the top eight. Yeah, and they have got a welcoming run home, so they'll push. But be two games out of the eight, it's going to be really hard for them to get back in there now. So just to summarise, so the dogs down, uh, I would say, are mathematically out because I think this year you're going to need 13 wins. So dogs, obviously, then Saints, Brisbane, Gold Coast, and obviously Carlton. So above that. So if Frio were to win every game from here, they can actually win 13 games, but that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. And then Essendon sitting with seven wins, so they could get to 14, but again, that's going to make it tough. They have got Gold Coast and a few teams that they could easily beat coming up, so it's still in play. The Crows really have to beat Geelong this upcoming week and beat them hard. Giants are still... But the, the real threats, though, is Giants and North. Yeah, Sitting at 9 yeah. and 10. Yeah, it's, it's basically the 10 top teams now. They're live wire chances. Yeah. Sitting with 9 and, and 8 wins, they're, they're still legitimate chances. Yeah, because they've got healthy percentages too. Like Adelaide are at 97 and Essence well, is 94. Is so yeah. not only do they have to win, they've got a belt team. So. And that's the big problem for Frio as well. So... Yeah. 
Yeah, look, we just wanted to do a little bit of a quick run through now that we're heading in the, you know, that final stretch towards final sevens, not too many more games to play. And also we saw the dogs fall out of mathematical chance this week. So now we've got five teams that are, it's impossible for them to make mm-hmm. finals. And then really, I think Freo is probably in that group as well, because they're, they're not going to win every game from here with Fife. I mean, he still could be another, at least another couple of weeks. weeks. Yeah. Sandy, obviously the whole range of issues. So that, that to me is not going to happen. But yeah, it's interesting to talk about. I think, you know, with Geelong and, and Hawthorne just sort of holding in there, North percentage just sort of hurting them a little bit. It's, it's going to be fascinating to see the run home from here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So this coming Thursday, we have Sydney versus Geelong. So big game that one was, 59 to 71. Cats in a a mild upset. Mild upset, and you just sort of felt, if if you watch this game, you felt that Geelong were coming halfway through the third term in particular. It was a very tight contest. Two quality teams that are perennial finalists know that how important this game was and they played accordingly I guess Geelong got a little bit of a hand up with some three injuries to, to Sydney players throughout the game yeah but it's still never easy they didn't have their best team on the park and Sydney got the upper hand for the around half time and early into that third quarter yeah especially when Buddy started getting his hand on it and kicking goals and obviously when, when Milestones and Buddy are involved he for those who didn't watch or aren't aware Buddy is sitting on 899 goals yeah, and he was he got very that one close taken to, back. Yeah, well, he very, kicked it. But, he kicked it, yeah. but um, got called up back. So usually uh, see Sydney get up, and they will be desperate to get um, players like Heaney back in to get some spark and run because they did start to look really slow and lethargic on the outside. Yeah. And Geelong took uh, full advantage of with their their younger midfield pace, brigade yeah. and a bit of pace there, and obviously Tom uh, Hawk up front played one of the best games I've seen him play all year. He was really good, and I mean, so if you didn't see this game, the scoreline, the, the sort of overall scoreline, fifty-nine seventy-one, definitely doesn't tell the story. So Geelong kicked eight twenty-three. So it's the first. So since twenty twelve, it's the first time someone's won a game with a differential that bad. So it's been a while since someone's actually yeah, wow. had had a you know such an inaccurate night and still been able to win the game. So twenty twelve was a little while ago now. Six years, a lot of footy gets played in that time, yeah. and. So Sydney, it was only two goals in the end, but as you say, I never really felt like Sydney were going to win this game. They they just felt that it just didn't feel like their night. And sitting at nine goals, five to eight twenty three, that tells you obviously that Geelong had a lot more of the ball and just were a lot more efficient. And I think interestingly, they they dealt with the conditions a little bit better. So it was quite a dewy night. Yeah. So apparently they used the anti-dew on the ground, but Dangerfield was saying afterwards that he didn't feel it was very effective at all. He thought the ground was still pretty wet, but he, he was saying he actually had the studs for the a much wetter night. Wetter night. But in, in the end, it, uh, sorry, much drier night, but in the end it, it just sort of worked out for them. But look, they, they were really good. And I think I, we've both said that Geelong were a big chance for this game. So we tipped eight for the round. On the podcast, there was, uh, I think we both, well, we did go, originally we went with Essendon, but we did clearly say that you might want to wait to see the ins and the outs. And when Fantasia went out, I thought, no, I'm, I'm going to ride the pies. Yeah. Uh, so we got eight for the round, but yeah, look, it, look, quality game from the Cats, and it'd be fascinating to see where they go from here, and that this still keep, gives them some serious chance. So warm night as well, you know, a decent crowd too. They got sort of up to towards sort of mid thirties, which is which is really good to see. Yeah, I mean, we'll start with Geelong as we usually do with the winners. 
it, the clear thing in the asterisk is that, you know, Kieran Jack and McVeigh are two massive outs. And so we also said that Heaney with the concussion, we, when we recorded the preview, we didn't know whether he was going to get up. And when he didn't, when they said, I think it might have even been the next day, Horse said that he wasn't going to play. You, you sort of thought, geez, yeah, that, that hurts them. Are they going to get stretched too far? Mm. So, but the, yeah, the, those two injuries, especially, I think, really, really sort of affected the game plan that they had on the night. Yeah. And McVeigh's been so key to them all year. Exactly. They, they, Two very um, seasoned veterans, good heads yeah. on them. They they would have known how to control the amount of ball that Geelong were pumping into Just that control line. The, 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 the tempo, tempo as well, exactly yeah. right. So, well, they got a number of people, people out, out, which we'll, we will go into in the preview. So now they're going to be tested, but we'll get into that in a sec. I, I, I thought Geelong, their midfield, I thought it was one of their best uh, spread, spread midfield uh, structures, word, structures guess, yeah. that they had. They all did a little bit. There wasn't probably, I mean, Murdoch for me was, and Duncan were the Duncan two. Duncan were really good. Really good. Ablett's been carried out there almost. Like, yeah, it's interesting. Ginger as hell. Yeah, it was interesting that Scott said, no, nah, he's okay, he's doing his bit. I, no I, I, I saw him not go on defensive Run. It's the same thing we said last so, week. So, so close. He was so close to the opposition that he wouldn't chase. And I thought, well, hang on. He can't be a lead. And I know he's not in the leadership group, but he can't be a leader of a club and expect his younger players around him to, to follow suit if he's not doing the same thing. And then to have the coach come out and neglect to think that that was an issue. So, yeah, interesting. But he, I mean, he well, needs a rest. I, I think he needs a rest. I think those old legs of his are uh, getting to a point. He still can play the game and he's got to Without roll. a doubt. He's a, but, it, like, the, the, the side that the problem so there's two things to it it's never been a key aspect to his game really but then B the game's changed so like you look at all the quality teams look at the amount of tackles a lot of the winning teams had over the weekend yeah I mean Melbourne had 27 tackles inside 50 yeah it's amazing and like you, you have to you have to apply pressure and yeah. Anyway, but don't they, like. Yeah, there was as it's another rabbit hole with him. But yeah. I, I agree. Like he needs to. I think he needs a break. And he, he looks so ginger. Yeah. Before the game, during the game, not just afterwards. It wasn't. And he copped a corky, which obviously doesn't help. Like he hobbled off the ground. But it wasn't just that. There were other aspects to his movement that you could see he was having issues. So. But it's good that the Geelong don't have to rely on either Ablett, no, exactly, Field yeah. or Selwood. Or Selwood was amazing in this second half yeah. especially but they didn't rely on any one of their brilliance to get them over the line it no, was a no. really uh, good well, we team we said ever. that in the preview at the start of the year and, that and this whole notion of this trifecta of blokes no is, that's, that's not going to win you nothing. the game no. no nothing at all so and, and Scott's I think he's starting to figure out how to play his midfields around Selwood and Dangerfield in particular and Ablett can just be a floating half forward well, coming to we've the midfield been saying for weeks yeah so now and then they're, now they're going to get a few players coming back from injury yeah. and i yeah I, I think geelong still have a chance of a top four because they play yeah. four or five more games at ghba gmhba hba hba yeah, yeah. they're a chance i think they're just going to miss out on the top four i went through their line and i think they're going to lose a couple but i reckon they could finish fifth yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I thought I thought that was really it was an entertaining game. It is what you would expect yeah. from these two. I mean, even though the last few games between them haven't been that close, this was um, this is a great way to start off the week. Yeah, look, it was it was good. The other injury was Hanbury, but I mean, he hasn't been contributing for weeks now, so it didn't have this sort of effect on the game. Well, not contributing anywhere near his ceiling, so that that was another reason. No, it was we, just we meant it just, it just meant one a third player. McVay was the biggest out because Jack Jack's missed games earlier in the year yeah. that they've won. Absolutely, McVeigh was a big way because 
it was at a time where the the, the scores were almost level, and yeah. he's probably shot out on, on laying an extremely heavy tackle, which you'd expect um, any player to do. But sometimes you think, oh, do these old players need to go that hard? And um, yeah, they're going to miss him for about four or five weeks. It could be longer because it's a popped shoulder. So some of these they can take months. Yeah. Not so we'll keep, we'll keep going with the Cats and then we'll pivot over to Sydney. So interestingly, we said that if Blixarves... So it sounded like earlier in the year that Blixarves... Uh, in the year, in the week, Blixarves wasn't going to be playing, but he ended up playing and he was okay. He wasn't too bad. I actually wrote halfway through the game in my notes, Blixarves, good decision, question mark. But by the end, I actually thought yeah, he contributed enough. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't readily uh, stop no, no. too often. So he was good enough, though. And there was patches where he absolutely stopped uh, Franklin. Yeah. Um, so, to, and that's after a few weeks on the sidelines, a couple of weeks on the sidelines. So it was good coming Yeah, because we thought that if he's out, then Taylor's going to have to go down back. But that they were lucky because Taylor, has, well, he was quality forward and even though you know he didn't get a huge haul or anything like that he you know provided some good pressure brought the ball to ground absolutely did, enough. Yeah. did all those things that you want a, a filling forward to do yeah a bit like um oh he's not the filling forward anymore but what cox what collingwood wanted wanted cox to do which, since he's he started, which he's starting to do as yeah. well so yeah no, i thought it was a, it was a good return from from harry taylor without um statistically being that good i thought the cats used the corridor a lot better than sydney did on the nine i thought the cats controlled Controlled the ball really well in terms of forcing it to go through the corridor a lot as well. Sydney, you know, they they use that ground so well, and I, I thought the Cats were really good at forcing Sydney to play their way for most of the game. Yeah, they were definitely more willing to take the game on. As yeah, you said, through the corridor, it's the Cats of two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten type. They, they they've got a lot of confidence about their abilities now, which is great to see. There's a good balance. I think we've talked about yeah. it a couple of times with their youth and their seniority now. I, I think they've got the numbers right there, the exuberance from the youth are there with the, the heads yeah. of, uh, of the more mature players. The other thing I was impressed with was structurally when it comes to Geelong as well. I thought their high half forwards were really good. So there's been a couple of Geelong games this year where their high half forwards have either been pushed out of, like so the Richmond game for example, a lot of the time they were really pushed out of position. Yeah. But they were smart, they, they ran hard, you know, Menegola as a high was, was excellent, but then their, their longs were really good, their deeps were really good as well. So, no, look, structurally they did a really good job. They controlled a lot of the game, obviously. And, yeah, I mean, if you kick a score like that, obviously they'd love it to go the other way. Kick, you know, 23 goals to eight behinds. But... Yeah. And once again, I have found just uh, a star in the making. Smart in Knuckle, yeah. Jeez, he just, he just knows AFL like he's been there for 10 years. Yeah, he well, just a, few so our, good. a few of our listeners on Twitter pointed out like just how good of an in he is going to be. Because we we'd sort of knew a bit about him, but the real, you know, Cats uh, devotees were really talking it up. So, yep. no, I, I definitely agree. I thought he was excellent, so... It, I mean, fascinatingly, I mean, the the margin does, obviously, with that, you know, sort of inaccuracy from Geelong, the margin does flatter Sydney a little bit. And how it was only 15 points at half time, I, I wrote that in my notes because it just seemed shocking that it was uh, anywhere near that close given how much Geelong had the ball. But anyway, it's, it is what it is. But I think, yeah, look, Kelly, other takeaways, Kelly's elite. And, you know, if they can sign him, they, they really should. 
Parfit's got just such great poise. He kind of plays that butler role at Richmond. Yep. Um, I, I thought he was excellent on the night. But yeah, look, ultimately, Sydney just didn't have the pieces with those outs to, to make this happen. And, and I thought I thought Selwood's second half, especially as you mentioned, was excellent. Yeah, absolutely it was. He uh, he took, took the lead off um, Murdoch and Duncan. I think that, I thought they were the two uh, leading mid, mids for Geelong in the first half. Yeah. And then Joel just went, eh, all right, I'm off the leash here. I'll, I'll I'm going to make make us get this win here, and he obviously did what he does week in week out, and, and a bit. Um, well, he had 29 touches, nine tackles, yeah, couple of goal assists or whatever. He, he he was phenomenal. So we'll pivot to Sydney. I mean, the the, the key thing for me is that Geelong's quality defence was back. And I think the thing is that, you know, last week it, it struggled against the, the Dogs because, they you know, Dogs ended up kicking over 100 points. But, you know, Geelong through a lot of the year have been ranked number one defensive side and, and they were really good. And, and there were times where it really looked like the Swans just completely lacked targets, but then their, their positioning was poor. But a lot of it was because the, the defence was so much better. Like yeah. they, they were just elite at locking out sections of the ground that you could see Sydney were wanting to lead to. But then also creating blocks without it being a block, and trying to you know create scenarios where even if the even if the ball was to go inside fifty, they would force a scenario where it would isolate a player that that they're, they're willing to run the gauntlet that's not going to make the shot. And yeah. they did it with McCartan and a couple of things a bunch of times. Yeah, absolutely. And I think while the back the best back six at City is a very good back six, as soon yeah. as they lose one or two of them, oh. they get exposed massively. Um, well, they, at they least should you be got towelled up. I yeah, think. so they're lucky, very lucky that they've got a. a a man in the name of Grundy and Jake Lloyd. I thought Lloyd, he's probably been the most consistent player at Sydney this year now. Yeah. He had another outstanding game. Mm. He would have been in my top three on the ground for that match. Mm. He was uh, he was, he was, he really was rock solid. and But he, he, he can't be relied upon to... Uh, stop all um, inbound balls. No, yeah. he's he's not a big boy. He's a he's a, a running uh, halfback. So they've got to look at that and and try and find plug holes because obviously going to be out without as we said they're going to be without McVeigh Jack for a number of weeks. Heaney's probably not back for another. Oh, he'll probably come back. And then you've got who's uh, was it Ram was it Rampy or was it Rowan Rowan was Rowan, out as, Rowan was well dropped, Rowan got dropped because yeah. his form has been. Well, he needs abysmal. So now he's obviously probably going to get a reprieve, but he's going to have to show a lot when he comes back. So if they've got any chance of keeping in touch with the top four, I just realised before I didn't mean Aaliyah got towelled up, as in like he was toweling up the other way around. So he, I thought he was pretty good on the night. I thought yeah. actually Aaliyah really was really good. He was doing the toweling. Yeah, but not again, the other way around. like so many other, so they need more. Yeah, yeah, he he's not. He, he is not AFL elite enough to be the key defender in that back No, line. no, so, but to be fair to him, it's like oh, no, I mean, Magic good, Dora or somebody like that. It's yeah, going to take time. It takes time, but um, that's what I mean, getting exposed when yeah. when they've got one or two of their, their key backs out. But but Stuart I'm, was good. Like a, a bunch of their, their, you know, their, what's this new defence? It looks looks really good. It's building and they are, obviously it's not panic stations just yet. It's just a matter of how, how does the horse look at all these outs now and go, how am I going to destructure this team? Yeah. So that it's balanced and we still get that drive and run off the halfback. I rode back to 2018 footy, much lower scoring because we had last week, <laughs> last week we had just wild games. But I mean, 
what Geelong had to do on the night was play Sydney footy better than Sydney. And that's basically what and they And you did. have to do that at SCG. I don't think yeah. anyone's going to argue... It's tough to do a big score at the SCG. SCG, yeah. And it hasn't been like that for years. Mm. It's just not the type of ground Even where Franklin you can be, doesn't yeah. get huge numbers You there. just can't kick big scores there. If you're lucky to win... If you get to 100, well, you're going to probably win the game. Well, surely. So... If you get to 80, you're probably going to win it. Yeah. But yeah, Buddy and Blixarves was a nice battle, but it obviously didn't play throughout the whole game. That's the notion of modern football, but it was still quite good. But yeah, the Swans, we've said, I think, enough. I think the big thing is that they're going to have to rally together, and a few of these kids have shown a lot, like your Florence and stuff, that they're going to have to keep lifting, because it... For me, you know, a couple of those injuries are really going to hurt, and you know, absolutely. And if geez. they can't, if they can't get that back working, mm. they're probably going to have to work out where can they get a lot of scoring from because you would think Frank will have to push up, yeah, so that they've got someone through the midfield that obviously got a leg kicking and can obviously outrun most players, and he's in, 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 and someone to target um, on the lead. So it'll be interesting to see over what happens over the next three weeks about um, Sydney's structure and how their game plan uh, alters yeah. depending on who they come up against because they've got some big games coming up. I thought Parker was really good. So two goals, one, 23 disposals. Ken- Kennedy was a little bit down, but he was still very good, obviously. He's got such a high ceiling. I thought Lloyd was outstanding. That was one yeah. of his better games I've seen him play. Sinclair was excellent, you know, as much as he did really as much as he could have. So, look, there's still some positives to take out of it, and it did end up only being the two goals, so it didn't obviously hurt their percentage too much. No. Got it gone way the other way, that would have been a lot worse. So, but no, look, interesting game, and, you know, some some interesting talking points out of it. The other thing, too, is that, you know, I think Sydney, they're in an interesting position because they they, they started the season so much better than last year. So, they've got a situation where they, they, they were a lot better early on. They've just got to carry it through because this, this, the finish that Sydney had was amazing. Yeah. So, and, and now it's the opposite. Yeah. They, they have to hang on, really, now. That's the question. It might be funny. Do they end up finishing basically where they did last year and just sneak into into you know the, the, the contention? And it's, it's just sort of a back-ended problem. But... I don't think so. I think they've shown enough this year, and and that they look pretty good. So, and the fact is, if they have to travel, they're not concerned about traveling because they're away from the SCG records. Very, very good this year, which in their eyes is is going to be could be a blessing. So we'll wait and see. It's still a number of rounds to go, and anything can happen. But yeah, look, I think they're not going to be too concerned that they drop this yeah. game. But I think they it'll will. Be fine. I, yeah, it'll just be. A, a, a lot of extra time put into game plan and structure now, just with those key injuries. Well, yeah, and I, th- I think, look, you know, Sydney so many times have brought kids in that can just do amazing things. So, yeah, you can't, you just can't write them off. They're that sort of team. They'll, they'll figure something out. So. Absolutely, they will. But, yeah, no, look, I think both teams will walk away, and, and I, th- I think they're both definitely going to still be in contention for sure. They've got enough wins on the board. Sydney, obviously, a little bit more so. So, I think, yeah. Let's head into the next game. So, Richmond versus Adelaide. So, so the replay of the replay of the grand final from last year. <laughs> replay on the G, so 15-13-103 to 8-8-5-6. Almost a mirror reflection of the grand final. Well, it was only a point off the mirror, so it was pretty pretty much exactly the same. So not, not a great game by Adelaide in the end, and Richmond just keep doing what they've been doing for some time. Yeah, absolutely. Even though at some points throughout the game, Adelaide looked close on the scoreboard, yeah. anyone who watched even 
part of this game never really thinks that Adelaide were with any chance of no there was never no there was never really a moment where it felt like they were a legitimate shot there were patches where they were okay but we're talking five minute patches and they were playing in fifth gear and Richmond were in third or fourth yeah and then they obviously went up to seventh which they've got on the G yeah and just as you said did what Richmond do and have been doing for the last six months and put the sword to the throats of many of the Adelaide players and yeah they're just there's a league above that's all so Adelaide we, we probably think after this season over so Richmond led at every break 2-3 to 1-3 7-8 to 4-4 four, 9-10 four, to 7-6 and then 15-13 to 8-8 eight, eight. it just Richmond's ability to crunch you into submission basically pretty much yeah I mean there's they're no just, other word for they it they just wear you out on every line it yeah. doesn't you, to beat Richmond at the moment you have to beat them not just in every to grind stat, them harder and so <laughs> No, it does. Statistically, even if you beat them on every line, it's not a guarantee win because they'll get you mentally. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a that defensive wall that Richmond have is, Sorry, is, mate, is brutal and, and fairly aggressive. So I think the, the Crows they're, they're never going to get there. No, not, not playing like that. No, and again, oh, we've mentioned and everyone knows the injuries have really caught up with the Crows this year, and it's they're going to be competitive for the rest of the season. But I agree with you. I don't see them really making a push for the eight now. The asterisks with Adelaide too is, and you can't not say it is that they're. they're Injury list is insane. Like they're missing so many pieces, and they were never going to be able to beat Richmond with the amount of outs that they've had. So I mean, we can go through so many different aspects of this game, but I mean, effectively they were crunched. And yes, and aside from Loston, Tigers are at full capacity as far as their best twenty, and have obviously got a dominating VFL team. So even if one or two or th- even three or four senior players are out with injury or suspension or whatever the case may be, they know that they've got enough in their VFL. Team to come in as I said one soldier falls another comes in and, and plays a part and they are so so confident with each other's ability and the game plan that doesn't matter they could well they're starting to use that Clarko speech specifically at the moment so that that's clearly working that I mean look you can look at it in a range of ways Richmond play meters so well and I, I think the thing that I don't hear talked about much with Richmond is that you know obviously there's the unity and they're all playing for each other and belief and all that stuff but the thing with Richmond as well is they're so persistent so even if they make a mistake they're they're back there again they'll work harder to fix it they'll work they work they work constantly the amount of times even when there was an error they're they're back there again to to try to amend it so there's just there's so much positives yeah absolutely and then unlike so many other teams in the comp there's no resilience on their top five or six players no. they've got so much belief and so much character evenness, and evenness yeah. across all of their lines that any one of them could step up and, and be the hero of the day I mean look at Edwards he's been fantastic probably their best player for the last six weeks but he wasn't he's been a household, better, yeah. but he he was was, a household, no. household name up until this year no it was really rated internally at Richmond and yeah. I, I was really rated in but general I think people probably not so 54,000 not too bad it was a freezing night uh, I don't think they were going to get too much more than that. Talia and Douglas both got injured, so that's not great. That's another aspect which we'll talk about in the preview. A lot of injuries on Richmond side as well. So Graham did that shoulder and that tackle towards 
the end of the game, Butler, uh, ankle, broad cheekbone, and then Rioli, the groin. So Rioli groin sounds like that's going to be okay. Broad's not ideal, and, and Butler's not great, great either. So And Graham looks like he's going to be out for some time. Yeah. It's probably the only negative out of it, but they have so much depth to come in. And such an anomaly that um, the same injury twice happened over the weekend with yeah. um, old mate McVeigh doing a, a shoulder as well. So not ideal. Like, a lot of players have that injury injury and it could be a few weeks but it's been known to be six months for, for other players it's just an unknown depends how the body heals and gets that shoulder right so it'll be interesting to see hopefully he comes back in the next few weeks so for Richmond yeah so I think look Richmond we'll probably be repeating ourselves but they played Richmond footy pretty much the whole game and they played it really well and I'm sure everybody's pretty familiar with that Martin was better which is a massive sign to see you've got so many other aspects in you know Grimes I thought was really good as well Lambert has just been so underrated all year Grigg was really good as well they've got to sign Short Jaden Short I thought was fantastic so if they can get him on board further that would be, be really good because mm. he looks amazing Koch yeah. just his consistent self now Kervis was very consistent again they just they literally it sounds boring and repetitive and blah 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 but they are just a consistent team Caddy was good again up forward yeah. Presti comes in after so much time away and he plays a very good game they just they just know the drill and they're just so well drilled that that's why they're game clear on top of the ladder yeah Rewalt's defensive pressure was great as well he just keeps you know doing all the one percenters really well Richmond just own the inside 50s and they just lock you in there and they're, they're happy to play there for hours they just don't care that's the thing they lock you in they set that wall up and they've got so many good rebounders that they can just lock you in there for lengthy periods of time and they know they'll break you at some point at some point, exactly right. And not only do they do it from that uh, perspective, they can open you up with their yeah. skills. They're all great with by hand or foot, and there's not too many teams that can say that they've got a whole team of uh, elite disposals. No, disposals. and that's the thing. And even when it does get out, let's say you are able to break that wall, their overlap runs so good, they can get it back in there within two seconds. So it's... Yeah, look, it's, it, they, it was sort of a, a two-wheeled car versus a four-wheeled car. They just didn't have the pieces Adelaide to be able to make it happen. No. There was a section in the third where the Crows were better in the clearances, but Richmond you know, had the cue in the rack a little bit at that point. They knew they were going to be going to be fine. Absolutely, and obviously Adelaide are starting to look better with the inclusion of Sloan back into that side and Rory Laird back into that side. And as those pieces come back, they're obviously going to look stronger towards the end of the year. And it's just disappointing to see that someone like Tex Walker has a good game one week and he's the leader of this club and then he's very poor. I'm not suggesting that that's just him. That's probably more to do with Richmond's defensive structure and how yeah. well they can play on him. But you think that he should be at least be able to impact the game a little bit more yeah. because of his ability, but who knows? Well, I think one of the things that in terms of text, one of the things that Richmond were really good at was forcing him further up the ground and then forcing scenarios where, and that's the thing, they're an elite team, so tactically they can do this sort of stuff, where they were forcing him to shoot from way too far out and they were forcing the Crows to go for Hail Mary stuff so it was it was a scenario where I, I just think even though I don't think he was great I agree but they also were so good at making it so much harder for him. Yeah, and we've talked about Richmond's um, mental pressure that they put on other teams oh, a number of times, and it was on it was on show against Adelaide. They definitely get into the heads of your, of the opposition players, and the opposition player may, in a normal game against another team, go, "Okay, well, I can't make the distance, or I can't make that um, inside kick. I'll go down the line." But Richmond force you to do what they want 
you to do. So they know where the ball is going to go and they turn it over. And as you said, then they slingshot back into their overlap run and it's a get back into the forward 50. And that happens too often that they break it down, as you said. That's it. So let's move a little bit into Adelaide. So we'll start with a bit of the positives. I mean, I thought Seedsman tried. You know, he's he's been so good from a metres gain perspective this year. But, you know, obviously against a side like this, it's nowhere near as effective. Crow's pressure at times was was okay, but obviously without the quality through their side, that, that's an issue. They, they were forcing Richmond to kick long, which I thought was a good strategy. That worked from a, a Geelong perspective a couple of weeks ago when they got close to beating Richmond. But, they, you know, sustaining that through a whole game is just so hard. Um, and, and then, you know, that positive, you know, Duday, I really like. I think he's been great. He kind of is fitting into that new Jake Lever role. And that's good. I thought... They isolated Butler quite well, the Crows, throughout the game, and they blocked him pretty well. So that's good. He was really damaging last week. But the problem is you've got 10 other problems. Yeah, exactly right. The uh, the good doesn't outweigh the bad. Well, it's like not good or bad, cook. sorry. Yeah, no, yeah. But they have struggled with, as we said, injuries, continuity, game plan to a little degree, uh, form. Like when the players are even there, some of the players yeah. haven't been uh, up to speed for modern football. I think, though, if they can maintain the nucleus of this team for next year, they're going to be strong again next year. Especially yeah. if they get those key um, senior players that have been injured for a lot of this year. Or if year they can trade to get locations. Or, yeah, all yeah. that type of stuff. There's a lot more upside for next year than downside for this team. I think, though, season 2018, you start to slip too far away from from finals well the numbers just don't support it and you look at the you look at the ground and I don't think the players think that they're a legitimate chance and that's a big problem I I think they they, they, there were sections through the game where they they are mentally shot yeah absolutely and it's look they've had so many injuries this year they've had so much focus on their club media wise that I don't think they're used to and I think they've reacted poorly to it personally absolutely and I think that has had clearly had a negative effect on on field so when you hear people saying oh no incidents off-field and problems with presidents and stuff that doesn't affect on-field, I think that's rubbish. Yeah, it does. That's absolutely rubbish. We've seen it uh, time and time again, not just with Adelaide, but any club where there's been outside influence of Hawthorne, Essendon come to mind, Essendon in particular, but if people aren't familiar with Hawthorne, it was the whole Clarko Kennett saga from years ago, and then started last year, Hawthorne didn't have a president. Yeah. And when you don't have someone running the club, it, it filters down from the top. So, yeah, it was just a, a lot of things that was out of the players' control. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, and it, it does have an effect. And it just—it's part of the culture. It's part of being in a club all the time that you hear these noises. And it clearly affects them. Yeah. yeah. So which is unfortunate. But the other thing too is deep into the year now, a bunch of their kids are starting to fall away. So when you don't have that belief and you don't have the ability to rest some of these kids because of the insane injuries that Adelaide have, mm. your Fogarty's been pushed to do so much stuff. He's starting to be exhausted. Yeah, the body and that's just enough. not ready for it. Yeah, and you expect that, and that you can't put him. Um, no, to blame or anything like that. And I hope no, no, I'm not can... going to go at him. Oh it's... no, no, you're not. And I hope other play um, people don't either. I'm hoping that the coaches uh, continue to play him, but just play him in different roles, so he's not having to do as much. Just it's to... hard with their list at the moment, but yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, the hard the, look. It's it's you know you look at Cripps at Carlton, and he's completely exhausted. He looks like the tired, you know, the most exhausted, you know, lower sort of twenty year old player you've ever seen, but. Yeah, look, we'll keep moving because there's probably not as many takeaways to sort of take out of this game. Really impressive from Richmond. They, they play their style really well and they play it week in, week out. And that's and that's all you can ask from such a, an elite side. They're, they're going to be right there. They only need one more win and they're in the final. So they're clearly going to go quite deep. 
Absolutely. Let's keep moving to the Saturday games. So Brisbane and Catton in the Jack Lacocious Cup. So at the time of this game being played, these were the two basic bottom sides and uh, somebody right down the bottom belted someone at the extreme bottom by 65 points. And it was just an absolute masterclass by Brisbane that we haven't seen since their glory days of the early 2000s. They were just clinical. They were fantastic. Yeah. So we'll start with the positives because obviously one one side of this is going to be extremely negative and the other side is going to be fairly positive. So Brisbane, 18-12, they were fantastic. So they've obviously got some key outs, no Harris Andrews, no Charlie Cameron. They've got some really quality players nice. that, that they'd love to have on, on the pitch. But Dane Beams was unbelievable. You know, yeah. Ever since that captaincy has been relinquished, he's been elite. Super. He's been like the elite he was at Collingwood. And, and, and some more. I think he's playing some of the best footy I've ever seen from him. Yeah. And he's a very good player. Zorko continues to do what Zorko does. He probably didn't get the big numbers that we're sort of used to, but he did enough to support Beams. Uh, Hodgie had another really good game down back, marshalling his troops, picked up a, uh, a lot of the pill, but it was the young, it was the young brigade that really gelled That's and really thing. showed that they uh, can link up, they can run and carry, and more importantly, they finally were able to put a decent score on, on, on the scoreboard. Well, there's all these people that aren't household names, but you look at Cutler or you look at Gardner. I mean, there's just so many of these quality kids that are really starting to come of age and are, yeah. are, are clear quality players. You look at Hipwood. I mean, he had his first real bag, 6-2. Like he was, I mean, I know against a horrific opposition, which we will get to that in a minute, but, you know, let's let's look at the positives. They moved the ball really well. Overlap run was really good. Yep. Pressure was good. Scoreboard <laughs> pressure was good. Everything. Efficiency. Tick, tick, tick. Efficiency yeah. was off Solid. the charts. Yeah. So Hodge was incredible. You know, 100% disposal efficiency with 25 disposals. I mean, yeah. that's obscene. Rainer looks all the bitter AFL player. In his really mature. Season. Yeah, he looks like he's going to stay too, which is great. Yeah. Apparently, he's really happy, which is a massive, massive, massive tick. Because in the last rebuild, Brisbane got some quality up there. You know, look at Elliot Yo at uh, West Coast Eagles. You know, obliterating. He could go top three, top yeah, five Sam, in the Brownlow. Sam Doherty and he left. Uh, Catton. Yeah. And should have stayed. Yeah, should have stayed. Yeah. There's a heap, but there, there, there are five, a heap. Was a, there was five players that all left that all club. Left and there's about three or four of them are, are, are doing extremely well elsewhere. So, yeah, they've got the culture right. And I think, obviously, getting Fagan up there to coach the club and then the recruitment of Luke Hodges really helped. I mean, Robinson all of a sudden has got extra spring in his step and to uh, fire up against his old team and showed a few Carlton supporters uh, where he's uh, colours lie and he's, yeah. uh, he's, true, he's true to the, the, the Lions uh, movement and he's going to play a big part on seeing the next echelon uh, take on the baton and uh, help them as they evolve into really mature players. Side. Yeah. The other thing too is, you know, two wins in a row for a really quality, you know, young side is great because it just instills belief that we can win back-to-back. Yeah, absolutely. We can go away to Frio, win, and then we can come home and, and, back and still beat teams. Yep. So they've actually been not bad at the Gabba this year, and we were talking off pod uh, last week, and we, we reckon that Brisbane are going to get towards 7 to 10 wins next year. We think that's a legitimate chance. 
Yeah, because I, I think you agree with me. They're probably likely to notch up five, almost five or six wins this year because yeah. their form's really good and they've still got a couple of easier games. I think they'll win a few games Gabba. in the year. I think that, look, it's a shame that Port Adelaide game, there's a few back earlier in the year that they should have won, but look, they, you can't ask everything out of such a young side, but I reckon no. they're going to be a lot better. And um, if they're winning margins of the ga- three games that they won as any uh, indicator, they're going to be very good because they won by 50 points plus in all three of their games. Yeah. So Brisbane, 80 more uncontested marks. Obviously, we're not going to go through all the stats because they're ridiculous. Lions, 24 marks inside 50. So just, just ludicrous stuff. So Yeah, it was... Yeah. Basically, if you had seen this game and never seen AFL before, you Don't would think it was it. top top of the table playing bottom of the table. Yeah, Not and two teams were at the bottom of the ladder. Yeah, so and that's what's that's what's incredible. So let, let's have a look into the Blues. So no Simpson. If anyone uh, sadistic wanted to think what would happen if you took Simpson out of the Blues, well, here you go. So he's probably been their best player all year. I would say definitely been their best player all year. And, well, no, that's not true. Probably with Cripps. But those two, and maybe yeah. Kerno as well. But Simpson's been incredible. Unbelievable. He's basically be the only person in the back line. Shining light, yeah. Well, especially given the defend de- six de- players. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And he's been amazing. But you don't hear much about him, obviously, being a defender. But he was, you know, no. So, yeah, sickening without him. And the stats are just Unbelievable. So they're still on one win. So it's the worst season ever in the club's history. And they are at just extreme rock bottom. There's no other way to look at it. The last time a club was this bad, um, that that team does not exist anymore. They're called Fitzroy. Well, they've actually got a worse... Over the last um, five, six years, they've actually had a worse win-loss rate than Fitzroy, which got folded. So it it is really... I mean, it's a very different day now. They've got, you know, an old Vic club... They're going to survive it, but something's got to change soon, and you've got to worry about Bolton if they if he can't get results into next year. Because I don't think they'll sack him before the end of the year unless it gets insanely disastrous between now and the last game. But geez, I mean, so three years. So that's the thing. Bolton's been there for a bit now. Three years, forty-two players out of the Blues list, and they're still at rock bottom. And that's probably the worst stat. And they've obviously had a lot of first-round players as well, which which makes it even worse. But to rotate that amount of people out of your list, you'd think you'd be contending by yeah. now. And because of this, you'd expect there's probably another mass exodus on its way, mm. unless some of these players can prove their worth to the club, um, to the point that everyone, not just the coaches, I'm talking the playing staff here as well, think that they've got a future at Carlton. Because I can think of about three or four right off the top of my head that I wouldn't be wanting to play next to because they get their opportunity at senior level and their senior-ish players been around the club for a while or AFL for a while and they don't know how to play or at least stand up and show the kids how to play the game. Well, you look at Lockie Henderson, he got out and there's a few of them that that just think it's really culturally poor. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I guess it is one little shining light that comes out of this. and Which is? Which is, well, there's a redevelopment plan for Princess Park. They might get the demolishing uh, job done quite cheaply by all the Carlton supporters. That's true. The supporters might tear the ground down. down. That's true. They would save on on demolition. That is very true. Because look... It's, yeah, if we sound flat, it's just... I mean, look, it's very hard to talk about such a poor team. We will move on pretty quick. But, I mean, we, we have to highlight it. The, the thing, I think, why the heat was so heavy on them this week was that Carlton at least have been okay over the last couple of years at times defensively. So at least they don't get blown away so heavily. But 
you know, they've been so up and down in the last month that well, all year, but especially the last little bit that, you know, they, they, they can't even bring that to the table. Their pressure no. was so weak and they're just offensively so bad. And then turnovers, yeah. So they were, they were falling over, they were slipping, they weren't hitting targets. It was embarrassing. It was very embarrassing. It was... Witches hats. Witches hats, but uh, yeah, just the intensity, just the mindset that they brought to the game. So uh, It just was, wasn't there and you can't afford to be doing that any level, let alone a professional AFL level. Yeah, Marchbank taken to hospital with heart flutter, so it just keeps getting worse for the Blues. So, yeah, look, the whole thing is is, is a debacle. And, look, if they go to the end of the season with one win, there's going to be so much pressure on Bolton into next year. Even yeah. if he wins two, it's so bad at this point. And he's that, probably not the only one there's pressure on. There's probably pressure on Stephen Silvani as well. well he's the one that's brought a lot of these players into the club, and they're not performing. And a big problem as well. I, I think Lejudice, he's, he's the invisible man he does basically no press he does hardly anything he does the back pages which are very controlled and very soft with Robbo it's you know very sort of happy fluffy sort of stuff I, I want to see him go on talking footies and yep. you know he can come on the dive and we'll grill him for 40 minutes or whatever the jokes aside though like he does have to, has to come get out, out there and you see nothing from him nothing and it's uh, that's it, probably it doesn't have to be thing. like Maguire or, or Ken or something that are everywhere but more that I, I want to see at least a middle ground yeah don't sit behind anything except the fact that when your team's going this bad exactly there's a glaring light the rest of the footy world can see it come out and go yep it's not good enough it's cooked this is what needs to happen and we're going to put things in place and if those things don't come to fruition by either players or staff they're out and the problem is that one of the few mouthpieces they have for the club is Bolton and he's getting blared every week on the pitch. So it's hard for him to really come out there. And I, I, I worry for him. I mean, he's at the moment, you know, pulling out very, you know, company savvy type lines and it, it looks really bad. Like I saw him in the press conference afterwards saying that our supporters can understand where we're at. Mate, I, I don't know where you've been seeing supporters, but everywhere I can see on Twitter and you know, not just Twitter, but generally people and just around people are angry and quite rightly this this is such a long rebuild and it is just getting ridiculous it is getting ridiculous like how far down the bottom can they go oh exactly right so yeah i i I thought that was one of the i don't know he's got a lot of pressure and things on his mind but it was one of the it was a joke most ludicrous things i've heard from a coach in a long long time it just keeps happening though week in week out and and, you know judd gets grilled about it on footy classified i mean they can't obviously say too much because he's working there in the panel but every week they say to him what why does he keep pulling this out and that you know you don't get much of an answer but it's it it's shocking i want to see all you hear from carlton supporters from my perspective is they want him to be angry they want him to be pissed off they want him to turn around and say yeah it is a joke i agree yeah. it's pathetic yeah we're and we're s- going to be rotating this list until we get uh, something that actually works absolutely where's where's the media manager actually having a putting their ear into um, Bolton and saying look mate this has to happen you cannot go out there be yourself be yourself yeah and and call it as it is I'll protect you from the uh, president and the the just honestly be transparent the club is at rock bottom they're on their knees their supporters want answers people outside of the club that follow AFL like you and I want answers we want to know what is going on going on and what's the blueprint for moving forward and they still haven't signed Crips so so I know they've got him for a little bit, but but he's every chance to go back to WA with with this sort of a club. 
Anyway, so we'll, we'll keep moving because we could obviously keep going, and it doesn't directly relate to the game, which isn't our yeah, usual MO. But there's issues. there's yeah. nothing. I mean, there's no point dissecting this game. They they were horrible, and Brisbane were fantastic. And all, full credit to Brisbane, yeah. big tick with doing all the basics very well. And that's all you can't expect Brisbane to you know perform you know incredible tactics that you know isolate specific players and force them to kick on angles they can't kick and all you know really hard yeah not like a Richmond or a West Coast or Sydney or or stuff like that you know you can't expect like really sophisticated defensive presses and stuff but they they did all the things very well all the basic stuff well that's it they attacked the ball Got the ball, got it to their teammates effectively, mm. and kicked straight. And they played like they did all the very you know simple AFL tactics very very well. Top of the ball, Sam Newman would have liked probably, but however anyone likes it, it they they were fantastic. So big big tick to them. So we better keep moving. But yeah, obviously Carlton were horrific, and yeah, it'd be fascinating to see whether they can respond at all through the year because they've just been getting worse and worse really. So Port beat the Saints. Another game probably not too much to talk about. 86 to 50, so 12-14 to 7-8. Port really did what they... This is very much a did-what-they-had-to-do type of game. Port by 36 points. Really dour. Nothing really entertaining. This is probably the type of game that people are complaining about seeing. There wasn't a lot of highlights in the game. Um, Top 14 beating on a bottom 14. Very low side, yeah. Yeah. And St. Kilda, think, sorry, no, 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 St. Kilda had its chances in the first quarter. They looked alive and they kicked five points. Five points. So that just deflates any type of... To 3-1. Yeah, any type of uh, belief that they could get on top of and win this game because it's still a pretty young list, uh, let's be honest. And the power, they're, they're flying at the moment. They're playing some extremely good football. It's ugly football. It's not polished football, but they're doing enough getting to get, they're getting the four points. And they're getting and, better. And they're working where all their... Their rookies are, were all, I thought, for me and my best players list. I thought Watts was good. I thought Rockliffe was good. And I thought Motlop was good. So that's great. And they're figuring out where the, all that goes. And they will get more oiled as the season goes on. They're, they're going to get more proficient and efficient. Yeah, absolutely. And it was probably the first game all year where they got the wing without having to rely on their two big stars. Yeah. Or oh, big three stars, like the two Greys and Ollie Wines. Wines was not as, as damaging. and They didn't have Sam Gray in either. And... Yeah. No Jonas, so and Jonas fell down. Um, That's for yeah, a fair bit of the game. So he looks like they think he's going to be okay. Yeah, no ACL, no ACL. But uh, I'll be surprised if we don't if we see him um, within the month. So four or five weeks, I reckon, before he even looks ready to come back. In terms of other people that were really good too, so Dixon, fantastic. You know, decent haul at least. He's not just bringing the ball to ground and competing and kicking his one or two goals. He kicked four, which is great. You know, we talk, you were talking before about. Players that are, you know, doing very, very well that aren't necessarily ones they, you know, constantly rely on. And that's that's what you need. You have to have an even sides win flags. Yeah. It's just that simple. Absolutely. In modern football. So. And again, two very consistent players for Port uh, showed up again in Pollock and Westhoff. Westhoff goes he's been under amazing. the radar. Amazing. But he has just been so good for that club this year. I mean, he's been good for that club for a number of years. But he just, you know what he brings uh, week in, week out. A bit like um, Boak in their captain. Yeah. They're just super consistent. They get their 20-plus touches. They um, have an impact on the contest. They get their teammates involved. And it's, it's, it's beautiful to see. And I never thought I would say that about Port Adelaide. <laughs> 
No, they, they look really good. So, mm. yeah, look, this is a pretty simple game to analyse. There's nothing, there was no surprises. Port played the way they've been playing really over the last few weeks. So if you missed this game, you probably didn't miss much. And all the same offensive issues that St Kilda have had pretty much all year. There's been a couple of games, obviously, where they fixed it up, but a bunch of them, it, it, it just wasn't there. So not so much. To, the only negative really out of it from a Port perspective is that Jonas, so that's not good. But then I guess also you can argue that, yeah, they could have piled it on and, and got a bit more percentage. They're sitting at about 117, which is good, but they would love to be in the you know the 120s or, or a little bit higher given percentage. I think this year is really going to matter because the, the eight is so tight. But they're sitting in fourth position yeah. after this win. And, yeah, they and, you want, and you wonder if that injury to Jonas meant that they just took their uh, foot off the pedal a little yeah. bit uh, and just managed the players like, look, we've already lost one key player. Mm. Let's just get the job done get the four points and then uh, look at the future and that was and, and the thing for me is that that's that's exactly you know from a Watts perspective you know you look at that and maybe that drop was exactly what he needed he, he came back and he looked really good so yeah and he looked very good in the position on the wing I think that's his position yeah. in his team well he's played pretty much in every position throughout his career so hopefully yeah. they can finally find somewhere that can work because he's a decent player so. and he's yeah elite by foot that if he can get it on the outside him and Polek either side danger for most teams yeah it's like having a couple of gaffes yeah so let's yeah but look port not much more to talk about i thought st kilda armitage was good you know there, there, there was some there was some quality there and had they it's it's the same story as how many games this year where had they applied some scoreboard pressure they would have been in the game but yeah. if you don't do that it's the most underrated stat and you and i and we said from the beginning before we started this podcast that we didn't want the podcast to be too stat heavy because i think you can you can weigh it down and it can mean all and AFL is a funny sport but from a stats perspective some stats can really mean not much but mm. I mean this is about as much as a stat can mean if any stat means a lot it's it's well, look you kick three one to five yeah well that's points. the thing after, so, after quarter time it was nine goals to seven yeah so anything can happen when it's that close so yeah I mean it didn't help that Carlisle was out for no him, they but, miss him massively because he's been he's, he's fantastic not, but he also doesn't play forward so he's not kicking goals for him no but at least he, he holds the bleeding but yeah, yeah. Gresham two goals memory one done as well so look there, there were some good signs I thought Steele was good Webster you know Billings was okay but look it's they, they obviously don't have the pieces it's next year and, and hopefully they can sneak another win for the Saints fans but yeah I don't see one coming in a hurry but they, they, yeah, they, they might sneak another one maybe and, next week yeah possibly next this week this weekend yeah maybe this week especially given they're playing the Gold Coast so that's probably going to be the other, yeah. other one so <laughs> let's keep moving so into the next game Western Bulldogs Hawks so lots to talk about out of this game 59 to 122 Hawks in the end really pulled away 63 points great game you and I watched this together yeah yeah, interesting, very interesting first half. Yeah. Very, very tight. There was only one point or two points in it at the half. Um, led by one player for each team. Luke Bruce obviously dominating up forward, as most of you would have uh, known by now. Yeah. And uh, JJ was back to his unbelievable running form off halfback. He had 25 touches at about 96% efficiency. It might have even been 100% efficiency yeah. at I think half he was going at about time. 98 at one point. Yeah, so, and I think Bruce had about four or five goals up until halftime. So a uh, very entertaining first half. A uh, bit of free-flowing, but it went in ebbs and flows. It would be like a five or six-minute 
minute patch here where Hawthorne would dominate possession and get a goal or two and then it would flip and the doggies would do it and then all of a sudden the halftime break came and one team went to sleep and the other had their, had their mojo back and, yeah. and, and went for an onslaught and it was a seven goal to zip so oh, about two points sorry yeah. uh, third quarter by Hawthorne and that's when the game just opened up well Hawks led at every break except for the second so they were pretty good throughout the day but uh, yeah I mean the, the big thing with the dogs so we'll start we'll start with Hawthorne and we'll get to the dogs but the the thing with the dogs is that this is another one of these games and they've had a heap of them this year where they've only played a half basically yeah. so there's been a couple of them that were had a bit of a blemish to them in terms of the you know that Adelaide game in the wet they scored just over 50 points just like this game that you know that was a very wet day but then there was they you know they played that game as though it was the dry but there's a heap of games this year where the dogs have just really struggled and you know they, they basically played two and a bit quarters whereas Hawthorne played three and a bit and that made it makes a massive difference and their third quarter was enormous so they went from seven two at half time to three quarter time 14 six so they just piled it on and a few of those points that easily could have been converted as well yeah absolutely. so their third quarter they're, they're the three quarter professionals this year their third quarters have been amazing and again they just completely dominated that so yeah so interesting stat just um, while we're talking about Hawthorne so since 2010 when Hawthorne have scored over 100 points they are 104 wins and one loss yeah so it's like Federer when he wins the first two sets yeah so that's an unbelievable stat it's mm. just a matter of being able to score that heavily now in the modern game and look Hawthorne did go back a few years um, and spread it um, Bruce had six in the end and then the old hand in Gunston and Ruffy pitched in with four each as well and then there was a handful of midfielders that kicked one or two so it was a good spread um, well balanced team uh, effort and then there was uh, just some really good games from players that we've been waiting to see have good games like Omir I think it was easily his best game for the year and Sicily was very consistent in the back half took 12 marks I think yeah. eight of them were intercepts um, oh look there's a lot of positives I mean so Bruce was my heat check six yep. goals two 20 24 disposals, 13 kicks, 11 handballs, 8 marks, 7 tackles. Like, he, he was unbelievable. It was one of the better matches I've seen anyone play this year. He was a joke. Yeah, it was a complete effort. It yeah. wasn't just six goals. He uh, yeah, no, said no. 7 tackles and, and all that type of stuff. So He was elite. So there's there's so many different aspects to it. You can look at Gaff's game as well. He was probably the other one that was just obscene throughout the round. But I thought, I thought Bruce was excellent. I mean, yeah, we'll keep, keep going with Hawthorne. So, uh, Rook, your man, a Rook, came in, and I thought he competed. I thought he was good. Yeah, him and uh, Tia Miles came yeah. in for their first games uh, for the year and both showed some promise, which is, it's been some time coming. They've both had to really, really do their uh, apprenticeship in the VFL and rack up lots of consistent uh, high possession, high quality games. And there is a number of young guys in that Hawthorne uh, midfield that just can't break through, obviously, with O'Meara, Mitchell, Izzy, Liam Shields. It's going to be hard to break into that team while you're a 20, 21-year-old. But it's, it was good to see Jono, a rookie in particular, he's been on the list for about three or four years. Now, if you remember back when he was drafted, he was pick, 20, uh, pick number two, went to the Giants, couldn't break in there. So Hawthorne got him up for a steal because of his pace. And now it's just a matter of whether he can get uh, any continuity into that team we'll wait and see what happens there and um, T Mills he's fast so I think he um, definitely gets a chance again this week we'll wait and see it's a couple of days away still yeah so I mean in terms of 
tactics. I think a big thing for me is Hawthorne were very well coached on the night, but then also the players coached themselves very well on the night too throughout the game without necessarily having to you know take it from the the runners. There were there were moments where I, I saw the Hawks react to things really well. So there were deficiencies in their game. So either Segler's leads were too slow for for you know their entry, so they fixed that up. You know Amira needed to be more on the outside, so they kind of adjusted that mm. a little bit. There were little bits and pieces that were really clever. So there was a tag on Mitchell through pieces of the game that at times it was on Izzy as well. Thought the Hawks really backed up their players really well. So I thought there was a quality team effort to free up Izzy at times, and he was massive yeah, in the some, second half. Yeah, some blocks across the wings, and quality the blocks. Yeah, to just, get to open them up. A just bit. positioning, yeah, little things like that. They were just they were just that little bit faster. Uh, and they, they, I mean, look, we'll talk about it in a minute with the dogs, but their pace was 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 poor, especially in the second half. We both spoke at half time and said, I reckon the dogs are going to drop away. Yeah. And, and like, like, they were up at half time, the dogs. dogs but only two points, but it, it I, I just banked on that there's been so many games where they've fallen away and it, it, it looked like it. So we'll talk into the dogs, obviously. So Richard's ability just, to read the ball is amazing. Oh, absolutely. Just before we do that, there was one sour note for Hawthorne, and that's the injury to Ben McAvoy. Yeah. So, it was a good hip and shoulder from uh, him and I think it might have been Dunkley or one of the other bigger players for the Doggies. And unfortunately, McAvoy came off second best with a suspected Five, fracture. six weeks, hey. Yeah, five, six weeks it looks like. So disappointing, bit unfortunate, but um, obviously it gives uh, Segler a big opportunity. I was just to about to say, and he hasn't been great in the other positions. No. So I think it probably makes, if anything, it'll probably be good. Yeah. Not for, obviously, for McAvoy, but it's they've got a replacement ready there. Yeah, which a lot of clubs don't. Don't. So we're pretty lucky. Yeah, I was just about to say. If that, anyone's so. going to have a ruck issue, probably not end of the world. Not end of the world, no. So, yeah. So, uh, aside from that, though, yeah, good no, team no. effort. So, um, yeah, back to, back to dogs. No, no. Um, I mean, Adams, I thought, was really good. He, he lifted. Uh, you know, they, They've got some quality still yeah. there. Like, some of their kids look fantastic. Yeah. Even, yeah, I mean, Crozier was pretty good all, all game as well. Wallace was very good. Yeah. Bellhouse was good. Bont wasn't. Not that he wasn't good. He was just held. I think um, Stratton uh, annoyed the shit out of him. Yeah. And he, he was probably off his game mentally more than anything else but he's Strats was okay though yeah oh, Strats was yeah I just think he, he mentally put uh, Bont in a, an unusual position and obviously Bont had to carry this team yeah, for, yeah. for a while and he's probably a bit tired he niggled well. him pretty heavily and that's 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 still fair what he was doing so. oh sure but look, yeah, quality game, but of the obvious thing with the dogs, and we said four or five weeks ago, with teams that keep making the same mistakes and keep having the same deficiencies, we're not going to you know, spend too much time going into them because we're just repeating ourselves and it's mm. obviously not great to listen to either over and over. But they, they're missing a lot. They're clearly missing a heap of pieces. And I think the dogs injury list is as bad as nearly anybody's. I think Adelaide's is one of the only glaringly obvious ones off the top of my head that's worse and yeah look they're going to be better and it feels like they figured out dogs 2.0 like in terms yeah. of post flag it feels like they're starting to put the pieces together and they're going to be a threat for the eight next year yeah you would think so and it's very smart on the coaching staff's ability to understand that this season is over but what they can get out of it is looking towards next year and yeah. building towards it so yeah definitely much better signs about how they're going to um, play next year you would think mm. and there's yeah as you've just mentioned their youngs are probably some of the best youngs well Shaki looks good as well we, you know there's, there's a lot we could keep going on about oh mm. you know crazy I really like as well there's, there's a heap there so Clay Smith retiring is not ideal but they'll, not ideal. They'll, they'll bring others in and he, he's, he looked like he was probably going to have to retire a little while ago with all the injuries that he's had so so we better keep moving. We've got a fair few games to get through. So 
Look, yeah, quality game, and Hawks clearly still very much in the hunt with that win. They're Definitely. sitting in an okay position. Obviously, would have liked some earlier wins, but yeah, it'll be fascinating to see from here. They've got a quality run home, and geez, they they play some pretty bottom sides from here, which is which is very good. Yeah, they're probably in the box seat now that they're in the eight to yeah. stay in the eight. You would think so, especially that you know, look, North obviously are right there, and GWS, but GWS in that loss, not ideal. So we'll keep moving. moving. And in another yep. game, again, not a heap to talk about. There's a few that are, but definitely not this one. So Melbourne and the Dockers, 102 to 48. Demons by 54 points up north. Uh, look, good game from a, a you know a Melbourne fans' perspective, but pretty much nobody else. Melbourne were very, very inaccurate. 13, 24. They got. You know, they had a million inside 50s. They had 37 scoring shots. So a lot of deficiencies from that perspective. But look, they, they did... It, this is very much, again, like it did what they had to do. Frio are way out of it. And then no Fife, no Sandlands is no Frio. Yeah, That's exactly, just exactly right. But as you and I alluded to in the review last week, this is the type of game that could work some players into a bit of form for Melbourne that have been yeah. pretty lean over the last few weeks. Yeah. Jesse Hogan got a lot of the ball. Obviously, it's much harder conditions up in Darwin to kick goals. Um, obviously, sweaty, trying to hold the it ball. It was nearly 30 degrees. Yeah. Really warm conditions. But he, he's obviously he, sh- he got his hands on the footy. He could have easily kicked five goals straight, and we'd be talking a different story. But he's starting to work into some form there. Christian Petrarca had a really good return to form. Spargo, Garlic. Spargo, yeah, yeah Garlic. Frisch, coming back. Really All like. those guys had really... And then, obviously, the usual is Clayton Oliver's had a brilliant game. Yeah, um, great. Brayshaw was very good again. Um, him and his brother. They got a really even side. Yeah. yeah, they got a really even side. I mean, I like Frisch as a, a like a really nice high half forward, and they got some good you know running carries, and they they got a lot of different pieces that can work. And against a really low bottom side at the moment, like Fremantle, you know, missing lever and and things like that is not going to make a difference. Yeah, and Maxi Gorn just keeps going from strength to strength. You yeah. would think that um, doing dodgy ads for Google would affect your footy, but it's obviously <laughs> not affected him at all. He loves the limelight. That's it. I mean, Fremantle were very... So if you missed this game, Fremantle have been very, very, you know, humbled by or flattered by that that margin. It should have been significantly worse. The only real negative is that Melbourne didn't, you know, come away with a massive, massive win, so... Yeah, absolutely. Other other than that, they dominate on every line except for probably the scoreboard. Well, they dominate the scoreboard line regardless. They still did. 54 yeah. points is not is not terrible. No. But they're, they're not, like, they, this, this should have been 80, 90 points. Yeah. You, you can't have that many scoring shots. So anyway, it's the first game you know in, in a while that I, you know, that was just so so. Fremantle have been okay, but this this is the first game I think in a while from a Fremantle perspective where they just looked really, really uncompetitive. Yeah, yeah, really bad. They, they they were as bad as what Carlton looked. Yeah, close to it. They they were pretty poor. I mean, obviously, were much worse injuries for Fremantle than than Carlton. Yeah, but. I mean, Carlton's were pretty bad with Simpson out, but at least they still had, you know, some pieces. But anyway, it's hard to compare. But yeah, look, Smith's uh, got a hip issue for Melbourne. Not ideal, but they'll they'll have pieces to come back. And the only negative is that against the top sides, are Melbourne going to be able to cover Lever? And I think that's going to be a fascinating part. And how does Bernie Vince fit into the picture? And there's a lot of different and parts. And which is Jordan will... Lewis going to... Yeah, keep his stop head. killing people yeah, and doing nasty little things. He's a mate. It, it, look, another scenario where he is lucky to get away with a fine. So, yeah. but look, Fremantle. Uh, I mean, even Ross Lyon uh, didn't want to be part of Fremantle on the day. He went to the wrong box. So <laughs> even he wanted nothing to do with it. So look, it, is he hinting at a return to Melbourne? Go back yeah. to his old club to coach them? Possibly, maybe, maybe, maybe he wants to maybe go on the door not. as an assistant. But. Yeah. 
Yeah, look, there's really no point. I thought Cox was okay. You know, different pieces of Fremantle were fine, but there's really not a lot to take out no. of this game. And obviously, Sheridan tried, Walters tried, yeah, Monday Walters, was okay. Monday yeah. was good, Stephen Hill was good, but I mean, these names have Chera, been. Chera, yeah. Oh, see, so yeah, Chera was good, yeah. But still, he might lot, come back to Victoria. Yeah, there's still a lot of those older heads there that keep having to be the better players for this Fremantle club. Mm. And it's disappointing in that regard that they've got some very good young talent that re- start need to start playing more consistently if they're going to see a return to form, a return to finals. And I, I, I'd fear for them, especially if Sanderlands doesn't uh, play next year. There's such a high resilience on him to, to be there for them to win games. Yeah, and that's the big problem. He's 100 years old. And we've been saying for ages, the, the, the post-Sanderlands uh, era is, is really concerning. And on top of it, they've got an elite five at the peak of his powers. He'll come back really quality. And it looks like the exact same thing as Pavlich is going to happen again. Just yeah. Very potential that, um, yeah, he plays 300-odd games for Fremantle and doesn't get any of the highest success, which is a premiership. No, he got close-ish, but yeah. yeah. But you know, no, no, next year could be another story. We were talking a bit like, well, people were talking a bit like this about Collingwood at the start of the year, and all of a sudden they're second, sitting second on the ladder. So yeah. it is easy to turn your list around if you've got the right people there and the right coaching staff. Yeah, so... Yeah, anyway. But who knows? I don't think so, but... You it's rumoured that um, he's been there for a while now, Brad Lloyd, Matthew Lloyd's brother at Fremantle, will return to Victoria, so... Apparently he's in the in the loop for a couple of jobs, but anyway, better keep moving. Melbourne obviously completely dominated them, and you know the, everything you can tick them for all the major categories because Fremantle were were terrible. So mm-hmm. next game into the Sunday, so North versus the Suns, interesting game. North got it done, ninety five to fifty eight. Kangaroos by thirty seven points. Basically, similar sort of story to the prior game because again they they really could have put the foot down and it didn't happen. Yeah. And it- Sort of felt more a bit like the Port and St Kilda game too, because funnily enough, this is probably the best display the Suns have shown in oh, who knows when. Well, given the bar is that low, they were they were okay, and that's that's amazing, amazing. for where this list. Well, they is won at. a quarter. Wow, I know it was first time for everything. Not many people saw it though, so it's sort of no. like if a tree falls, you know, it really does happen. the sound exist? And so fourteen thousand three hundred eighty nine people. So and it looked barren. Even at Eddie had, like, it looked ridiculous. You know how there's all those yellow seats? Like, there was just this massive sea of yellow. Yeah. It was really, it was awkward, I thought. Yeah. And obviously the Suns have about five people that, that barrack for them down here. And three of them are paid. Yeah. The celebrities that come over from... It's true, Matt Damon. Matt, Matt, Matt Damon. <laughs> he's still around, isn't he? No, yeah, he's he still going. But, but yeah. let's talk about the winners. They we'll were, talk about the winners. They, they, were, they were good. They, I would just have to do what they had to do and... Um, nothing more. Probably nothing should less. have done a bit more. But they should yeah. have. Yeah, if you if you're percentages if, a big if you're problem. North supporter, you're going to be going. Oh, geez, where was the percentage booster that we needed this week? Well, Brown was huge early, and I think I texted you. Uh, I texted somebody. Hopefully, it was someone that would know what I'm talking about. But I said Ben Brown, uh, enormous early, and he was. He was huge. Yeah, he, it, it was. Looked, me, it yeah. was like, oh wow, he's going to lock the Coleman down. He he's going to kick eight or nine. Four goals in the first quarter. Or I can't remember the exact stats, but like he was. But yeah. the solid, very, very good. You know, nice sort of little haul, three or four, something along those yeah. lines. And then, yeah, no, no, not a massive haul in the end. He was good, and don't get me wrong, he 4-2, solid, but it looked like he was on a you know, 7 or 8 at least. Goal, uh, Towards 
forwards there, maybe mm. even against such a terrible opposition, you never know. But I think he's got the Coleman. But obviously, there's some some threatens, you know, with Franklin so close. But and they've obviously got some bigger uh, perspective team building things that they'd rather play finals than one individual winner Coleman. So, yeah. So but I think if he continues to kick goals, that'll help them get into the finals. Some positives as well with North. So Door is excellent, and, and that's a massive, massive tick. Yeah. They've persisted with this guy, and they figured out where to play him and how he works and, and he was outstanding so yeah. big big tick to him Goldstein was Goldstein really good Thompson, Thompson Cunnington yep, yep. they all, are all just really good. doing exactly what you expect your senior players to do and Higgins, that's lead the way yep so North's efficiency was, was good you know North I think went into this a little overconfident that might have you know accounted for you know the Suns being okay and them not really putting the foot down on the throat but you know we speak about it a fair bit you know only the very very good teams belt teams week in week out and, and you know I don't think North are a very very good team they're a good team and I think in time they'll learn from that and they're still a pretty young side they've got a long way to go so. yeah absolutely and they didn't get a, a massive output from their captain Zebel so he had a down game but he did a little bit obviously um, got his uh, 18 touches and kicked a goal so he did contribute but um, nothing uh, major which is come to expect it and they've still got some players on the outskirts still to come back like Billy Hartung is going to help with their outside run when he comes back, you'd think he would go straight in after his injury. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're a good team. They're a very good team. And very balanced. Very balanced. I mean, like when you got someone like Robbie Tarrant, he's been around, like, goodness knows how. He seems forever getting 26 disposals on the back half at 92% efficiency. And you're not going to lose too many games. Uh, and that's with Scott Thompson, his uh, trusted right-hand man down there as well. They're, and yeah. No magic door. There's three big key defenders. Um, that really have solidified themselves in that back half. So I think they're they're going to be they're going to be a tough team to beat. They look really good, and they're hanging around the edges of the eight, and they're obviously still a massive chance from a Gold Coast perspective. The team is checked out, I think now, and even though they were they were okay through pieces of it, I think in terms of the season, it's obviously way over. And Stephen May is really lucky to be playing next week because again another yeah. fine, shocking. I mean, I'm surprised he didn't get a week for that. No, and. I guess a bit like the Carlton scenario, Carlton, no, Carlton, sorry, not. For, I guess it is more from a player perspective. Him or Lynch really need to get in front of a mic, get the press, and stand up. They're the leaders of the club. Now, obviously, one of them is more likely to leave than the other. Yeah. But actually, make a stand on behalf of the playing group. And let us know who you are, what you plan to do, a bit like what Bolton needs to do or someone else in the head of Carlton. So it's just disappointing because they just, I've heard a number of people say, they just don't hurt enough when they're lost. They just think, oh yeah, this is normal. Yeah, and that's the big I'm problem. Getting, I'm getting a paycheck to do... They are so used to it though. It happens every five minutes. Yeah, it's just sad. and But something needs to happen. It's sickening. Yeah, it's sickening. And if, sorry, AFL, I'm going to repeat myself. How Get much it, longer? Yeah. How much longer? Go? Yeah, I'm, Fitzroy, he only gave them a few years off. There's two hundred million dollars in the hole plus. Plus. And the only And you're gonna get some cash from the Labour Party if they get in. To you Tasmania. If you yeah. go to Tassie. Well, as we said a while ago, the Tasmanian Colds, the beer that everybody loves and the football team that Tasmanians barrack for. Mm. Good yeah. idea. 
Anyway, we'll keep moving. Sons of busted ass. Yeah, we're not going to drill on to us. There's We've no said point it too many times this, this year. We're, we're just repeating ourselves. ourselves yeah. yeah. So all the same deficiencies. Obviously, no Lynch. You know, they're missing so many aspects. And no Ablett, no Amir. Oh, that's right. They yeah. played for different clubs. That's it. They're all gone. So we'll keep moving and because the next game's a, a quality game to talk about. So one of the better games of the round. The last two were really good. MCG, massive blockbuster. Good on the 69,000 people that came to this game as well, which was pretty wet at times. Bombray versus the Collingwood Magpies 62 to 78 Maggies in the end took it by 16 points very, good game very good game I listened to most of this game on the radio because I was out and about did get home to see the last quarter I'm really glad I did because it was pretty topsy-turvy middle two quarters I thought Essen had the ascendancy but they let um, Collingwood get the jump in the first quarter out to about three goal lead and then in the last quarter Collingwood's leaders and team effort was just so much more intense and obviously they got away with a, a comfortable win in the end. So we said we would... T- so we ended up getting eight. I know we probably technically got seven given what went to recording. But we said, though, we did think the Dons would just sneak this one. But I actually ended up changing my tip. And we did say, though, on the on the recording that, we, you know, really ride the ins and outs for this game because it is such a flip of the coin game. Fantasia out was a massive out for me. Just one less target just and a quality target. He was really good last week. It looks like he's going to be back next week. Yeah. But that, that was a massive out. His goal sense, his defensive pressure. Run and carry ball, as well. Run and carry. That's in. They could bomb it in there. And he just knows how to read the ball so well yeah. off the hands. Yeah, he was a massive out. And obviously um, big difference in the final result because had he played they probably would have got those three or four goal lead into yeah. three quarter time obviously Jake Stringer was more um, delivery down. to Stringer as well which helps because yeah. he's, he's a quality high from an offensive perspective so from a he, he they often use him from a high perspective and that would have really worked and that would have really helped so not ideal so I ended up flipping and look it was still a, a bit of a risk but you know not ideal as well. Ambrose, Stringer, and Myers all got injured. So, yeah, the Don's really a bit of a costly scenario out of this. So, let's, we'll start with the Pies, obviously, being the winners. So, Penderbury was elite. His last quarter was amazing. So, I'm sure you've heard it already a few times. Six clearances to six Essendon. So, he equaled the team's clearances in the last quarter. So, it doesn't get much better than Not that. Not much better than that. And, and then to go, he showed why he's such a talented, sought-after player. And he, Cox. Kicks a couple of goals. Yeah. He's one of those when players it when it counts. So we often refer to the NBA, and, and there's a number of teams that have a, a center or a, a sixth or seventh man come off the bench, and you don't hear statistically what you go. Oh, I got ten points, but those ten points are in the last quarter yeah. to help them win the game. It's not left up to the these elite stars who get their thirty or forty points. And the NFL is becoming sort of similar because there's scoring coming from so many different players. Yeah. So he's like that, you know, Andre Iguodala type for. Uh, Golden State that can just come on and just dominate for small periods of time, but he's just so elite when you need him. But yeah, look, he was really good, and and you know he adds a bit of cream to the top. He's only going to get better too. He's still obviously very young. Hoskinelli got injured, but then he came back on. He actually was still you know very very good, and you know the crazily if he misses next week they can bring Varco in. So yeah, the, the the depth that the Pies have is unreal. Yeah. 
Jaden Severson not as dominating, dominating but he still, still did his bit. Um, but it's good for them. For them like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Cox just keeps getting better. He's clunking marks left, right, and centre. So high. He's got a depth, got some depth touch now. He does. Good, yeah. good word. Leg speed for the pies just too strong, and and that's the thing. In the fourth, you know, they just had that extra five, six kilometres, and they they look fantastic. Yeah. So five goals to two in the final quarter just meant they just had a little bit more run. And the run that Essen were generating, especially. For from Saad, yeah. he get it, and unlike what he's been doing for like most of this year, he had no targets up forward to kick to. So he'd be running, and then it'd be a handball sideways. So that doesn't actually affect the game like you would normally. So um, the defensive pressure on the backwards run from Collingwood was elite. It's hard to see on the TV, but just by seeing Saad having to run and then handball is not normal. So you could obviously tell it was defensive structures up yeah. the ground. And they were really quick to transition into those spots, which obviously it's going to be hard for any team to, to counteract. But speak, I mean, we'll talk about it in the next game with the Eagles, but, you know, pace in the last quarter is about as important as anything. Because, and the fit sides, and Collingwood do look really fit, and Richmond look extremely fit, and that's a big reason why they keep winning. But it, it's, it comes down quite simply. You can overanalyze it, but late in the game, if you've got pace, you can run through sections of the ground that are more open than others, and the opposition that doesn't have that pace can't stop you in enough time to be able to get an inside 50. It's yeah. just that simple. simple yeah. It's like as, as much as you can overanalyze it into zones and really get very specific around you know this you know defensive wall and this specific thing, it's just that simple. You can't cover the ground as well when you're exhausted it's just that simple yeah and you know congestion eventually the modern game is fairly congested but eventually it'll break open and you know late in the game there was there was five goals to be had and, and Collingwood took the there was the thing you weren't going to get many because everyone was cooked but five goals to, to two you know there wasn't many kicked but Pius just a, dom- a little bit more speed that's a dominating quarter that's the thing any, no, when at the back end of a game like that in the wet in the wet yeah absolutely so now they uh, hats off to them I've been a little bit sus on whether they're going to continue on their good form just because of the piling injuries that they seem to be And this is that first year they've been really good. Yeah, Yeah. so they've they've bought into the the Buckley uh, game plan, the structure. They believe in each other. They have faith in each other. And they've got... uh, a depth that I just didn't think they had, and I don't think too many people saw coming at the start well, of the year. Who, who thought Phillips was going to come turn it up, and Stephenson, and all these people mm. that have come out of the blue? Who thought Cox was going to turn into this sort of a player? Yeah. Who thought that they'd have a, such a quality offensive skills to the point that they are now tactically at a point where they can isolate defenders to to structure it around Cox when they want to? I didn't yeah. think they had the the game sense to be able to do that. And Sidebottom obviously was elite in his two hundredth. Yeah. He he was fantastic. Yeah. And speaking of him and, and the you know the older players, Penelope's probably having his best season for a few years at least. Like, he looks great. Like, that's the thing. Like, it's been all, all the talk, you know, he's sort of like the cotchin of that side. You don't t- t- hear much talk about it, but no. he's been unbelievable. So, there's no Trelaw, no Jamie It's Elliott, crazy, yeah. And no... No Darcy Moore hasn't played for ages. No Goldsack either. Goldsack, well, he looks like he's coming back. That's <laughs> the thing. They're, they're, they're a you, massive chance. It's unbelievable. You sit there and go, if you take those out of the tent, everyone will go, nah, bottom four team almost. But they well, we had them just outside of the eight. Just outside of the eight. We had, there were a lot of people that rated them super low, but... 
Speaking of ins and outs, so I thought they covered Dunn pretty well. Uh, Mechek and a few other people went back and assisted, and it worked. It was it, like, I think it's going to get stretched a bit against very good sides. So maybe Sydney up in Sydney, for example, West or Coast. West Coast over there when they've got, you know, a couple of their players back, or Richmond. Yeah, yeah so absolutely. It's going to get stretched against some of the very good sides, a la Melbourne without Lever. I think that's going to be, and it'd be the same if, you know, if, well, Which, Richmond's got a few things that they can cover. I mean, they had no Lawson and they yeah, still they're, won. They're, they're in an and no Hawley as well. But yeah, you can take them out. they got a lot of depth. There's too much depth in their back half. But if you took, say... Well, Hawthorne as an example. Yeah, but Geelong, you take Tui or... Yeah. Um, who else is... Stewart. Stewart. You take one of those players out of that back half, they get become very exposed. Well, they did lose without Stewart the other way. Yeah, so. Hawthorne, if you take Sicily out of that back half, yeah. exposed too much. Yeah. Especially in the modern game with the, with the way they slingshot and, you know, the, the, the style of overlap run they use and spreading wide and all, you know, using the fat side of the ground the way modern football does and all that different all that stuff that we stuff. can go into. But more, more to focus on the game. But yeah, look, I think it's it was a great win and they really grinded it out. And, you know, I, I've been really impressed with Collingwood's ability to not just play, you know, you see some teams when they start to get quite good, get a little bit overconfident and play very sort of stylish stuff and, you know, sort of internalize a bit and not sort of think about the fact that they've got to grind out a win and they did they pushed it and they really ground out a, a quality yeah. win and geez that, that does a lot for the team yeah and wouldn't the AFL just be wrapped to see Richmond and Collingwood sitting first and second on the ladder for the first time since what 79 77 77 so, it's so Star Wars time. had only just been out so there you go <laughs> massive stat for all the um, nerds. nerds out there so Collingwood seven in a row so I don't, there would be no one that would have thought at the start of the year that at one point Collingwood would win seven in a row let alone would be second in the line I reckon people would have been aside from probably Richmond and maybe GWS I don't think there would have been too many people out there that said any other club would win seven games in a row through the season probably maybe five couple, yeah. maybe four or five in a row and then have a loss but seven's a long streak to to, um, to do especially considering how competitive this season's been I mean legitimately there's still ten teams vying for eight spots and then a couple of potential um, teams that yeah. mathematically could get there but let's be honest we're talking about 10 and up yeah so look no that they, they, they look really good and, and massive hats off to bucks and the coach because again they were very well coached on the day i thought they reacted to things really well things that weren't working they were quick to fix them and and look you have to take your hat off to them. I yeah. mean, the, the amount of pressure that was on Bucks over the last few years, the buy-in that you're seeing now, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a contract extension. They, they look great. And they're an entertaining team to watch. They look really good. It wasn't I, I that like high scoring, them. but they make it look entertaining. Yeah. They could make 50 points It's their ball movement too. I think they link really well. It's similar yeah. to... They are playing a Richmond style of football. They are. I mean, they, they do do similar things. They bring the ball to ground. Not as well as Richmond, but they do do it like that. They overlap like Richmond. And it is nice to watch it is it is aesthetically pleasing and they do have really good pace and fitness so they are able to move the ball quite quickly and and score really heavily and and yeah yeah they're good they're a really good side and i don't think the pies for me are going to finish second of the year at the end of the year i think they might drop a little bit they've been up for a fair bit but geez they've got an okay run home so it is possible that that's going to happen but look yeah don's god they were in it and and they absolutely could have snuck this one but it does make you start to think that they've left this run too late. They're a little similar to Sydney last year with that sort of, you know, bad patch at the start of the year and then basically having to play elimination finals every week. Yeah. But, 
that said, you know, I think they've left it even later than what Sydney had and Sydney did in the end kind of, you know, get towards sort of a position. But yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I, I know I know the Dons aren't in a in a terrible position, but they're not in a great position, that's no, for sure. And unlike Sydney last year who got their players back as the season went on, Essendon are starting to lose players now to some to little niggles and injuries and I just think having no Joe Danaher there is is a bigger loss. Well a good than, Joe Danaher, yeah. yeah. So we've got seven games to go and Essendon are sitting with seven wins. So if they won every game and they have been in very good form, so you can have that discussion, they'd be on 14 wins, which would absolutely get them in. So I think it's looking like this year is going to be 13 to get you in rather than 12. So yeah, it's possible, but this would have really absolutely helped because then it means they only need to win six. And then that, do you know what I mean? That's the world starts to get it a bit better to absolutely guarantee yeah. so, or five to get to 13. But absolutely. And they'll get yeah. some momentum over the next couple of weeks. They've got a couple of easier teams, but then they have, they've still got some big teams. So they're still got to play Richmond, Hawthorne and really big tests as well as a couple of easy games. So it's not the easiest run home. No. But if they win all of them, then they deserve to, to be in the finals. They beat Sydney, Hawthorne and Richmond between now and the end of the year and win all the others. They're deserving of finals if they get there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's it's possible. They've been playing, this is the hard thing, they've been playing top eight football for a while. Yeah. But, I mean, the, the problem is they're not in the eight. No. So that's, now you can do that, good on you. But you've got to, you have to yeah. hold the position. And that pressure's there. So if it's that, a sprint. If it comes down. A marathon, so, sorry, not a sprint. Yeah, like and it comes, like, this last quarter, if they, they're going to have to face that week in, week out. Yeah. It becomes really tiring on the mind and the body. So, yeah, I, I don't think, I believe they'll finish probably. Yeah, I think they're going to finish 10th or 9th or something around that point. I think they might have left it just a little bit too late. Just a little bit too late. We'll get into the game. So, it's a fantastic a game. game and another really quality twilight game on the Sunday. There's been some really good ones all year. So, the Eagles in the end over GWS, 86-75. to 75, Eagles by 11 points. I think the rest of the top eight teams right now are very thankful that the West Coast Eagles knocked over GWS. Absolutely. Because now GWS are half a game out of the eight. Yeah. In ten spot, fans so, are sort of thanking them on Twitter. I'm sure they were, and I, but I, th- I think a lot of teams will because knowing that GWS have got a lot of their uh, injured players coming back yeah. soon. Well, they got Green back. Green, Delidio yeah. coming back, probably get Patton back, and then obviously Cameron comes Cameron back out of jail. Or yeah, out of jail. Soon. Yeah. So if they play finals and they're going to add a full list, they could win it from eight. Maybe. And that's the thing. Well, Or they could certainly rustle up yeah. the eight. They could certainly end up mucking a few things up and, you know, us not getting that kind of prelim that we would have hoped for, as an example. Like, I yeah, think exactly they're, right. They're, they're capable of mucking it up. Yeah, but as we normally do, we'll talk about the winners. The Eagles, yeah. The Eagles were very good. And I think, personally, I didn't see much of this game with some highlights and some bit of radio... I don't understand why Adam Simpson had his structures the way they are. McGovern is a backman playing back. Well, he figured it out through the game. I think yeah. by the end he realised that with, if I take McGovern out of there, we're cooked. And, that, and, that, and it fixed it. Yeah, it, it fixed fix it, it, but I mean, he's got three other options to play forward. Anyway, it doesn't matter. They won the game. I was just very surprised. That they, they got the four points. They got That's, the four points. Yeah. And obviously... He knows the team better than, than I or anyone else. I just thought it was funny being an outsider looking in. No, because um, well, we have been saying that. So Yeah, but we, Gaff was phenomenal. Unbelievable, yeah. And the rest of the, the mids were very, very good as well. Is so. he your heat check for the round? Uh, yeah, probably. I didn't really look at a heat check. No, actually, my heat check was the entire Brisbane team because so, I thought they were... <laughs> well, they just, did all they, the basics. They did yeah. all the basics, and it's been so long since... Years. They've done the whole as a whole collective For four quarters, really. Four quarters all yeah. together as one. So that was my hate check was the team. But look as you an individual, give it to him. He was a joke. 
Gaff was phenomenal, yeah. And he, he's what's he worth on the open market? He's worth eight hundred plus. Yeah, yeah, easy. Especially he, for he's a big chance Victoria for the Brand, yeah, Brownlow as well. Yeah. Massive chance. So he he can get. I mean, he's known for his outside run, but he can get his own ball as well. So he had 41 touches and 13 were contested. So that's pretty good going for someone who's a winger. Can mark as well. Can get on the scoreboard uh, when he needs to. Didn't this week. Six clearances, three inside, or three rebound uh, 50. So does do a lot of his damage coming off the halfback along the wing. So very important player. I think every team that has... But Gaff got on the score, but he kicked two. Oh, did he? Kicked two, two goals. Yeah, I was about to say. I saw him in the end of the, end of the game. Oh, there you go. You did. Riola de Gaff, tap, bang, goal. That's right. He Remember did that? So, yeah. That was important. My apologies I forgot there. the other one, but he did... That's that's why he stat line sub same. So... Yeah, look, he's yeah. Very good. Any team that is has got uh, seven to eight hundred and fifty in the salary cap for his services, every would club definitely be having a that has that doing. room. Yeah, would be knocking on. Yeah, the door. not just Victorian clubs. Every club that's got that room oh. would be looking at him. So I don't think he'll go personally. I think he'll stay there. I think West Coast's going to have a real tilt this year, and yeah. that'll help sway him to stay. So if you missed this game, it's probably the most interesting part of it. So the Eagles got twenty three up. And you thought, okay, now we can sort of start to settle back in the chair. But this happened the other week. They got up and then they conceded the lead and then GWS got the lead back. And then it was just the real polish and quality of this side that got it done right at the end. And to be fair, a lot of their spine just took the game on. And that was what they needed to do through a lot of the game. But... In the end, they, they just snuck it. And another highlight out of it was that I thought the Eagles' engine was a lot better as well. So Yo, we mentioned last week, was a fair bit down. But this week, he was a lot better. So that that was great to see. And your Reddins and people like that, there was some real quality from the centre. And, you know, Hearn's always amazing. So just really, I mean, it's funny. Like, I wrote down in my notes earlier on in the game, GWS, you know, it was nice to actually see some grit from them because they, they, were, they were, you know nearly four or five goals down and you thought oh here we go here we go yeah Eagles are going to pull away here the only issue is that A they've had a couple of games this year where they've been ahead and conceded but then you know the, the other side of it as well is that they don't have the offensive you know ability that they normally would I mean if they had you'd, you'd say oh so that's it there's nothing they're not going to they're not going to lose from here if they had Darlene Kennedy and Lacroix in but they don't so they you don't, thought oh yeah. well, here we go but you know Talking of grit, was the Eagles? They, that's the thing. They they ended up out gritting them. They came in the second half and especially in that last quarter and just pushed and pushed and pushed and hung in there and and took the game on and yeah, yeah. They, they were great. They and used that, the corridor really well. I I, I love. I still like. I think the Eagles are still really good. They obviously lack targets, but it, they, they you know they, they, they're still going to be clearly in amongst it. Absolutely. And talking about grit, I know it's been highlighted uh, already, not by us but other commentators and whatnot around footy. Willie uh, Rioli yeah. having that little stuff up kick out that resulted in a goal to Whitfield, yeah, yeah. and then he's like, oh, hang on, I better do something, and turned it up. A few minutes later, with uh, not only a goal but also set Gaff up as you just mentioned, and that made amends. He went, "All right, well, I stuffed up once. I've got to get my team back into the game and, and do what he had to do." It's one of the best things to see in football, and it's something I forgot to mention in the Sydney game. But McCartan as well, like he for Sydney, he mm. missed a goal, and then a few minutes later, he, he got one. So that's the thing. Like he, he just get, didn't let the yips get to him, and you know, yeah, it's and great. Young to see. players, yeah, especially young players who they can get, uh, but go back into their box um, if they make a, a silly. 
silly mistake. It's okay if they make a mistake under pressure and all that type of stuff, but when they make really just brain phases, they can um, go out of the game. And it was good to see, yeah, I, I remember that McCartan uh, goal as well. So it's good to see, I think, yeah, West Coast, once they get the, the, that three-pronged attack back, they're going to be so hard. Obviously, Nick Nat had his best ret- game since his return. Yeah. And, yeah, they they looked good. Um, GWS, again, yeah, it was just that amount of injuries that they've got at the moment just really showed that they just didn't have that one or two players that they needed to to really finish the game off. Yeah, what's funny, it was kind of battle of who can deal with their offensive deficiencies better. Because you look at the Eagles side, no Darling, no Kennedy, no Lacroix. And you look at the Giants side, no Patton, no Cameron, no Green. And then if you compare it to last year's uh, list, no Johnson, no Scully, no Devin Smith, Scully. And then the only ones they had in from their top scorers last year really was Kelly and Lobb. So they were they were really up against it, but thought Lob was okay. But yeah, it's it's going to be interesting from here. I think GWS are almost the most fascinating one from here because they have, in terms of the run home because they have obviously two prelims in a row, still really stacked with talent. They're going to get some players back. It's hurt them having you know they had Kelly out for ages, they had Green out for ages. They've obviously had Scully out for a long, long time. And then, you know, Patton now, well, he's not come back for ages now. And then Cameron tries to kill somebody. So they've had a lot of things go one way or the other. Stevie J retiring. Yeah, it's an interesting scenario with them, isn't it? But um, look, they, 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 I thought they, they didn't have a bad game. It's a funny one to sort of analyse because I think through sections of it, they were really good. But then I, I just think the Eagles were just, they just had even maybe slightly more. And it's, it is, it's why so many home teams win as well. Just that little bit of extra legs in the last five, ten minutes yep. can often be the game. The difference, yeah, and that's absolutely. why, you know you hear people saying, and it's like the, you know, one week at a time and all that sort of stuff. It is, it is a... a Overused cliche, Overused but cliche. it's so true, though. As in that home teams are two or three goals better. And that's exactly what this is meaning. This is exactly an example of where this is. In that you're travelling, you're flying over, it's a long way to go. You get to from stay in You sleep in your own bed, you're yeah. in your own home. You, same you routine. You go the same routine like you do at training. Yeah. And then travel, that just stuffs all that up. That, it does. And look, some, you know, teams can be very good at doing it. I'm not saying it's impossible, but this is that classic example of just that slight bit more energy and they had it look at the end of the game that's exactly what it, what it was yep and obviously the home crowd over there is they were loud phenomenal yeah. Yeah. and they got up and I think when they could sniff it that when it got to 73 all that was that was when the, the crowd just lifted and I yep. think they just thought no we're not going to lose this one and with, with the lack of targets they've got up forward we can win this if we can win it in the centre and that's exactly what happened they took the game on Redden Yo Shuey it was quality deliveries and, and they made yeah, it happen absolutely and they just kept pushing and then what they played the one percenters just a little bit better yep. that, as we spoke about before with Rioli's tap to uh, Gaff, Gaff. It, that's Oh, that's great. That's, that's all great. you want. And it's, it's, it's Push for metres in those sort of instances. Absolutely. And that, that home crowd, it's no different. Like, you look at the correlation between uh, countries who holds the Olympics. They almost always get a much better medal hold because yeah. they've got the home crowd behind them. It, it is just... It, it works on the players. And they'll get so shot can, if they don't win as well. That's that too. Oh, yeah. that's a soccer world cup. That's different. Oh, <laughs> But it is. You, the, if you've ever played any type of sport or if you've uh, run marathons or anything like that where there's a big crowd, 
you get that second wind. They've actually done studies, and, and so I won't go into that because it's boring. But there, um, it actually works on the psyche of the oh, human. It happens in a lot of sports. Though, yeah. That's I mean, it's different sports. Like if you've ever been involved in that type of stuff, you know that the crowd will push. So if you don't follow NBA, that's why everybody went so psycho at with the uh, NBA finals just gone when LeBron got fifty one at at Golden State's home ground to play with such a like band of rebels to to get that close. And then JR to throw it in the bin when they've got basically like a golden ticket and they just threw it in the trash was like, that's why it was so insane because they're beating them at home is so ludicrous. So and it's hard. the same, it's the same thing as Richmond at the G. They've just done 17 in a row. They're going for the record next time they're on the G. So like, it is just, yeah. But anyway, look, it's, it's, this is that classic example of that stereotype, but look, yeah. really good game. And if you did miss this game, it's really worth watching because it wasn't on Obviously on free to wear and people are busy on the you know the twilight of the Sunday often. But if you didn't see it and you want to watch a really quality game, this was really good. good. It's had some really good ebbs and flows. Both teams were really good, and you know there was impressive elements on both sides. But yeah, really big credit to the Eagles to snap that little losing streak that they had as well, and just yeah, get they some had more lost numbers. three on the trot before the yeah, and so. that's the thing, and just to get some more numbers on the board because now. We were saying, gee, all that work to build this massive haul of wins, we were thinking, this kind of stinks a bit. Is this going to get towards, you know, all real wasted opportunity? Yeah. But no, I don't think it's going to, and it's great to see them beat really, really quality opposition. Maybe uh, if they finish fifth, they'll definitely rue that Essendon loss, I reckon especially, because that was one that everyone yeah. had them penciled into. Absolutely. Pretty much everyone, even the more optimistic Essendon supporters, must have thought, surely we're not a big chance, chance. today. Maybe a little one. Yeah. But anyway, no, real, really good game and impressive and a great to way to Finish the round yeah. as well. Yeah, as you, as you mentioned, the, the Twilight yeah. WA the games have been two. pretty good. Yeah, that's it. It works, and they get really decent crowds, and they start a bit earlier, which means that it's on okay time for the East Coast. And no, re- look, good round. I think you know we, we did kind of go a little bit back towards you know a bit lower scoring and and you know not it's some, good, some as we said repeatedly through our sort of state of the game was balanced out with a couple of games yeah, where there yeah. were some big scores with obviously Hawthorne and, and Brisbane kicking big big scores and Richmond obviously getting over 100 points so. but there was a bunch of teams that were just playing bottom teams oh, like, yeah, that's exactly. the thing there's not much you can do when you know Port's playing St Kilda who are you know a long way below them like that's the thing like it's it's it, you're always going to get that um, you're not always going to get Saints Blues on a Friday night next week. Like that's going to be a blockbuster game. Oh yeah. <laughs> anyway, so busted ass. Okay, we'll uh, we'll have to try to sleep tonight to prepare for that uh, super exciting. I don't know how I'm going to sleep tonight. I'm oh, so wow. excited to get up tomorrow to write some analysis together for that game. I'm pumped. But yes, uh, but we are uh, coming up to the two hour mark, and it's also almost time for the great man to play. Great on man to come on Centre Court. We're going to go have a look at him. So thanks so much for listening, guys. Really appreciate it. Check out Hopster Home, hopsterhome.com.au. Craft beer delivered to your door. We are now officially on Spotify. Ding, 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 ding. About six weeks in I the making. I should have said that at the start. So, yeah. So, you, we will you want to check us on yeah. uh, Spotify? Spotify. Uh, yeah, I was going to say Shopify. I work with uh, websites and that's <laughs> no, no. always in my mind. But no, Spotify. Um, we're on that platform now as well. It sounds like the Yiddish version. <laughs> Shlopify. <laughs> but no, I, I, yeah, Spotify is, you know, it's a growing, it's a well, growing platform. It's a massive platform, but it's growing for podcasts. So, yeah, we, it's that was why it was exciting because we were waiting, waiting. It was the only really major one we hadn't um, been able to get on. But yeah, they got they had a ridiculous waiting process. So 
Anyway, thanks so much for listening. Really appreciate it. If you could drop us a rate and review, that would be fantastic. So if you go into the iTunes platform or whatever platform you're listening to us on, if you put through a little review and a rating, it really helps us. Not so much for our egos, more to help the podcast, podcast get out, get out there. To, to more people. And yeah. if you are listening to us on the Anchor yeah. app, um, there is a little message. Yeah, voice oh, memo. Yeah. Voice. So if you want to ask some questions uh, by voice, the, you can you send send a little voice message and we'll try and answer the question. Or That's it. So we've had a couple actually on there. I keep forgetting to mention it. And uh, Mr. Smith found it during the week and he's like, what are you doing? And he sent me this little <laughs> voicemail. It was cute. But see you guys. See you guys. Have it. a great night.